Welcome to episode 287 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. You know, just like you, I've been thinking a lot about the reopening of theatres. With the news that Broadway is planning a grand reopening in September, I've been imagining myself back in the audience to watch some amazing theatre. But I have to admit, I'm also a bit concerned about reopening too quickly. Can we just throw open the doors to full capacity? There's a lot to consider. We have to think about the effects of avoiding packed rooms for over a year. Will an audience be comfortable gathering shoulder to shoulder in a theater? Because as much as I miss the theater, I don't really feel ready to do that. And I worry it's asking too much of our audience to just suddenly ask them to be comfortable with it. Personally, I think we should open our theaters carefully, at a reduced capacity, and ease slowly towards a full reopening. For the sake of our audience's comfort. And also because it's just wise to be cautious. What theater wants to reopen only to find that someone who attended a show got sick with COVID? But if theaters can't open to full capacity, how will they be able to afford to reopen at all? Personally, I think that we need to seriously consider the institution of digital tickets. Open the theater, have a reduced audience inside, and offer a ticket to watch a live stream of the show to an at-home audience. Of course, this means installing cameras and switchers in the house, but that should be seen as an investment in the future. There are a lot of great reasons to continue to offer digital tickets, such as being able to share our amazing theater with the rest of the world and with the rest of the country, as well as reducing the ableism inherent in requiring people to come to the theater, many of which are not accessible spaces. There are a lot of reasons to consider this, and I wrote about more of them in a blog on my website at philrickaby.com. Give it a read and let me know what you think. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 287 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me at the website and on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby. If you want to support Stageworthy, consider dropping some change in the virtual tip jar. You can find a link to that in the show notes. Your support helps me continue to bring you great conversations in Canadian theatre. On this episode, my conversation with artist, performer, director, and comedian, Joey O'Dale. I mean, you've been pretty isolated for, for a while. I have been extremely isolated. Yeah, yeah, I've been living an uh, incredibly isolated life. Yeah. Now, um, it wasn't soon after the whole pandemic started that you decided or had to uh, move to Manitoba. Yeah, yeah, no, it was... Uh, so it was, pr- I think I, I first showed up here um, in Manitoba, like the end of July. Um, and then I came back briefly for two weeks in October to, to gather my things and, and, and get rid of some furniture and, and the like. But, um, 
then I, I've been there. I've been here since, but I've, I've pretty much been here entirely since, since August, at least of, yeah. of 2020. So the, the, was it a decision or was that choice taken from you to go, to go to Alberta? Uh, I'm sorry, Manitoba. Manitoba. It, you know, it, at first it, it was, it was my decision. I was finding that the stress of just sitting in my sweltering apartment in Toronto all day, every day, um, <laughs> <laughs> as well as like the fact that um, I am immuno immunocompromised mm -hmm. um, and I am high risk. And it was right when uh, the Ontario government rolled out that sort of weird where they were opening the patios over the, yes. the summer, yeah. Yeah. going into stage two or something like that. And, and at the time, both of my roommates were restaurant workers. Right. Um, and and so I made the decision that I was just going to go back for the beginning of like the sort of second wave so that I'm not stressed out about, about everything. And then of course uh, the second wave didn't end. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Even though we're now calling it a third wave currently, it's still the, it's still basically the same wave. Yeah. Yeah. It all just kept on uh, rolling on, <laughs> and, and so there was a part of it where where it was a ch it was a choice. Mm -hmm. There was like I definitely I had some different family things crop up for sure, um, that made it more like I I should stay here. Um, mm -hmm. but it also it felt a bit like uh, why am I paying um exorbitant toronto rent um when i'm not even here to do the thing that i'm supposed to be doing or even the thing that um that you know paid me money yeah no i mean and that's i mean that that is i think a a, a common question that a lot of people were asking and are still asking mm -hmm. um it's still a matter of like i think for a lot of people the question of of why am I here mm -hmm. when the work isn't here, when the theaters are closed, when I can't, I can't do the thing. Is it worth mm -hmm. it for me to be here? You know, these are big questions. Yeah. Well, and especially for a lot of the people I, I know within the, the Toronto theater community and, and even in other industries who aren't from Toronto or even from, um, from Ontario, mostly from people that aren't from Ontario, uh, it's not necessarily that we feel a huge connection to Toronto, the city, which I know that uh, saying that a lot of Torontonians get really uh, heated. I think very, I, I think very few of them would actually get very heated. Everybody, even people who grew up here kind of have a love hate relationship with this. Yeah. City. Yeah. Well, and I, I find um, a particular kinship with um, meeting other people from Manitoba and Saskatchewan or from the northern provinces or territories or the east, especially mm -hmm. like people that are from Quebec and Ontario and Alberta and BC. They don't get it. They're just mm -hmm. kind of like, what do you mean? It's all the it's all kind of the same. But um, <laughs> when you're from when you're from like the smaller provinces, mm -hmm. um, the culture is a lot 
different. Toronto feels a lot colder socially um, than certainly I'm used to. So when you, when you are living in a city because of um, like a specific subculture Mm -hmm. like theater or like music, it becomes a bit like, well, everything I like about here is gone. And the only thing I have is, you know, thousand dollar rent for a really crappy apartment. Well, that is definitely the thing. Like if you came from somewhere else to pursue theater Mm -hmm. and that's not an option, then definitely you're in that, that, that very situation. I'm trying to figure out like, what is the point of paying this hugely overpriced rent? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you a little bit, though, about about, you know, how leaving the city behind, leaving all of the all of the connections, all of that behind. How have you been feeling about your relationship to theater? It's it's very it's very complicated um, because there there is an aspect of of me the entire time that that is has been feeling um more so lately lost i think i think in the sort of beginning months of the pandemic uh there was frustration sure but there was also almost this sense of um of urgency and and hope Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of sort of other issues within uh the theater community uh largely systemic that needed to be addressed and as the sort of global crisis continued on Mm -hmm. it got harder and harder to focus on those things because there was no definable end to to when the average person would be would be the average artist would be creating again um and it also creates like this weird sort of space because there is a very small select number of people that have been, have been able to work a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and, which is great. Obviously, like I do not, I do not begrudge anybody the opportunity to work or the fact that um, theater is still sort of finding a way to manage here and there. Mm. But there is a level that it's extremely difficult to see. Yeah. Um, just because the, especially when you when you primarily work in independent theater, um, so much of the struggle is is coming up with the the money and the opportunity to do something, and now the only opportunities are the ones that have the money yeah to do it um which just sort of strengthens the 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 class divide on on who is making art i think very luckily in toronto from from what i've i've seen because so much of the toronto uh, theater community is is working really tirelessly to uh be more representative Mm -hmm. of of the sort of diverse culture of 
people living there. So I'm happy. I'm happy to see that the the stuff that's being produced isn't just like you know all white versions of uh, Twelve Angry Men or something. Yes. Yeah. Um, it like so that that is at least heartening to see that even though it's only a select few things that are still getting uh, put on, that it doesn't seem to be um, stuff that we've all seen before. Uh, that being said, it, it doesn't, it's not going to surprise me when the first things that get to open and get to make money will be like Mervish. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's not going to surprise anybody because, no. you know, Mervish, Mervish of any of the companies probably has the most in the bank that they can quickly be like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this show. We're going to, we're going to, you know, pump it out. We're going to get some people in there. We're going to import something like they could do it really fast. Totally. Because they have the money. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the, the sort of like slow trickle down is, is, is concerning because for a lot of us, uh, our passions lie in creating our own work Mm -hmm. and, you know, with everything being spread so thin, but also an extreme loss of, of affordable venue spaces mm-hmm. uh, and things being open, it does end up being <laughs> looking a little bleak. So sometimes I like kind of fall into that horrible, horrible spiral of, of like, oh dear God, like yeah. here I've spent 24 years of my <laughs> life on on a craft that it's like oh now what kind of thing at the same time like looking towards history um in in the times that uh you know plagues and pandemics have happened before um and and this one has been no real different like the 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 set and dressing has changed but basically the things that historians and and, and scientists have say have said is going to happen just has happened mm-hmm. um I, it does there is that small glimmer of of thinking of all of the adaptive things mm-hmm. that the cockroaches of us are going to do i feel horrible <laughs> calling us cockroaches but there is a level of there there's there are some people that this all hit and i know plenty of people that are like okay well you know this hit i need a plan and so here's what i'm doing and and they have gone to do that stuff mm-hmm. and there's some of us <laughs> Like me being a stubborn little cockroach, being like, no, <laughs> I will find a way it'll happen kind of thing. Um, and and I think that uh, it, it could ostensibly create opportunity for really unique adaptations mm-hmm. of what can be done with yeah. with sort of live performance if if live performance uh, is able to continue who knows maybe we'll all just transition to film god i hope not but... i you know here's the thing and i've 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 sort of like mulled that fact over you know thinking about is because every so often i hear somebody say well this is this is it now this is the way it is and i'm like no because 
we have a desire to be in the room. Yes. You know, we have even going to see movies. There are there are movies where you're like, you know what? I can watch that when it comes out on video. But there are movies that you're like, oh, I want to be in a theater to see that. Right. Absolutely. We are drawn to spaces where we can witness things together. And so I think that it's it will come back. We can we can see in like, you know, I'm going to be talking to somebody who's in Australia next week and they are. Mm -hmm in like they're pretty much open and right. the theaters are open and right, yeah. they had their fringe festival season you know they had fringes huge in australia and yeah. and so though that fact gives me hope that when we have when when we are able to the theaters will open and we'll, we will we will be able to to go back we'll be able to welcome audiences back mm-hmm because I feel like if that wasn't the case, I think I would fall into too much despair. Like, oh, absolutely. Especially for the idea that, that this this craft, this art form, has existed for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years, and this is the era that killed it. Absolutely, and I, I think a lot of that comes up, uh, especially because I, I think in the past sort of 10, 10 years, especially, but even more uh, like 20 years is there, there has been such a big concern about the future of theater um, because entertainment is, is becoming so instantaneous um, with streaming culture or whatever. And so part of me is hoping that this is like the, the strong wake, wake up call that um, people in live performance need um because the thing that's going to bring people back it's not it's not as it's not just good stories told well it's not as simple as that anymore you can get good stories told well for you know peanuts mm -hmm. and not have to leave your couch the reason people will be coming back is because we crave that intimacy of experiencing something in the room like like you said like there's and and that is, there's a community and an intimacy aspect to it yeah that there's is also i mean there's also a word that you use you use the word experience and i think yeah. that you know it's the same reason the why do we choose to go to see some movies in the theater or like demand like be like this is where i'm going to see this movie and some movies were like fine to watch on tv it's because mm -hmm. we know that 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 movie or that that is going to be an experience oh so yeah the the shows if we are going to bring audiences into theaters mm -hmm. we have to give them an experience that's not just like another kitchen drama or another living exactly. room drama exactly we've exactly. got to give them something they can't get any other way mm -hmm. which is 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 funny because i feel like uh not to be a raging asshole but i feel like this is something that a bunch of people have been screaming for for years within the, like the theater community is like what will save theater is if we focus on the experience of it mm -hmm. yeah as opposed to uh the drama of it kind of thing uh and 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 it's it's right, you know, like the the things the things that have caused a real splash mm -hmm. in the in 
the like globally when it comes to theater has been the things that have been challenging to to the form to convention you look at things like hamilton you look at mm -hmm. things like sleep no more things mm -hmm. that have really shaken it up and gotten people to be like oh hell yeah i want to go out to to see that like it's it's not impossible to have something be wildly successful um within the live uh live performance realm it's just that I find that when the funding is cut, people get anxious and they're like, oh, well, we want to produce something that we know will work. And so here we are, and we're going to produce something that we think will work. And, yeah. and that's not really how it, well, how, I mean, how it out. There's a certain, there's a certain amount of, 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 of playing it safe, like you're describing, because we go with, mm -hmm. oh, 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 things we cut, let's do, uh, we're going to do a Shakespeare, so we don't have to pay an author or, or mm -hmm. let's, you know, let's find another living room drama because we all know mm -hmm. that, that what we love to see when we walk into a theater is yet another set that's a living room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, because. Uh, so good. <laughs> yeah, just that's exactly what, because whenever I see that, I'm like, okay, here we go. But like mm -hmm. something, I think about the work that 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 Eldritch Theater does, mixing magic and puppetry and genre, like mm -hmm. science fiction and horror and stuff like that, and putting it together and making it an experience that you can really only get when you're sitting in that in that that theater, and and that that's the kind of work that I think will bring audiences in is stuff that, that is like you have you have to see this and you can only see it here if you're going to experience this like this is incredible that's what's going to bring people back not the hand-wringing about why are why are their audiences coming well maybe the audiences are coming because we're being boring yeah yeah or or at the very least what we are presenting seems to be boring mm -hmm. yes you know yeah. there's a like a level of um of accessibility like because mm -hmm. i think about this a lot especially with in toronto how how huge the infinity mirrors uh exhibit was and and yes. how huge there was that thing that was that uh i don't know it was called like the happiest place on earth or mm -hmm. whatever yes. as well as like the the van gogh mm -hmm. exhibit um and uh, like i don't want to I, I went to the Van Gogh exhibit and I, I, I didn't go to um, the infinity mirrors because, you know, who could, who could get in, you know, I've seen, <laughs> I've seen the permanent um, installation mm -hmm. now, but the, the fact that like the AGO, when it has those things can pull so many people in, um, it shows that people are hungry for experience they just don't want to be they they're they they're afraid that they're going to be sat in the dark and be lectured to or that they yes, won't yeah. understand yes. or or something like that sometimes um, i think that 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 when we're talking about our productions um or we're trying to advertise our productions we really shoot ourselves in the foot i've seen so many trailers for theater that make me not want to see that show Oh, absolutely. It's like we're pitching theater for theater people or yes. something. Yes. And um, in which case the trailer doesn't really matter. No, no, not at all. If you want to bring in an audience that isn't a regular theater goer, you got to take lessons from Hollywood and put together like a really nice, really slick, like exciting trailer. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, why would they like, 
sure your play might be exciting, but they don't know that from the trailer. Why would they come? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As and it, there, I think, and I think about this a lot because I feel like there has to be some way to communicate um, to sort of non-theater people because you don't want to like lie. But at the same time, sometimes you say, oh, it's a play or, oh, it's a show or like, you know, and people's, their eyes immediately glaze over and they're mm. like, like drama. And you're like, I don't, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I, I don't know how to tell you that this is not going to be like the touring anti-bullying show you had to watch in grade five. Like, uh, you know, I, that is I the thing, like theater seems to be the only the only uh, uh, audience-based entertainment, whether it's sports, movies, whatever, that, that mm-hmm. people seem to respond with, I saw a play once, I didn't like it, so I didn't like theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think it, it also, it, it doesn't help that Shakespeare is so ubiquitous and so badly taught mm-hmm. in schools. Oh, oh, um, mm. Yes, I, yeah, because Shakespeare is one of those things, like we are poisoning generations of, of, of students against theater as a whole by teaching Shakespeare the way that we do. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, because people are like, mm, I don't yes. know. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, you know, so you're trying to, it's like this huge, house of cards that is really unstable because you've mm-hmm. got you know money people being like oh how are we going to keep our su- subscriber base which i don't want to <laughs> sound like i'm being ageist and awful but there is a large proportion of people who are subscribers that it's because you know they go to the theater because that's what they always do and they are not going to live forever and we don't necessarily have a generation to replace them. Well, I mean, just as somebody who worked as an usher in, some, in, a, in a very large theater, they would mm-hmm. have, you know, the periods of time when there were subscriber tickets, like the subscribers go at a particular time. Yeah. And I can tell you that that's the period of time when we are moving the most walkers into absolutely and moving them around that says a lot it's when the subscribers are coming that we're like we've run out of space for walkers over here we're gonna have to put them over there make sure they're tagged with a seat number all of this stuff like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if 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 theaters that offer subscriberships are not already looking to why the younger people are not coming to their theaters they're gonna run out of subscribers oh absolutely I, I think about it a lot in terms of um, the like different different shows that I've I've seen or or or, or taken in. I went uh, and saw there's a production that Mervish did of Gaslight a few years back, um, and like one of the one of the the dudes from Game of Thrones was in it or something, mm-hmm. um, and it was this very uh, very traditional way of doing it you know they had the sumptuous set they Mm -hmm. had you know uh and everybody did their job the way that they the job would have been done 50 years ago Mm -hmm. um and Mm -hmm. and there they are doing it again and it was some of the worst theater i have ever seen in my life (laughs) and not because any one part 
wasn't good. It's just like, I, I would have rather gone, gone to see like a terribly rehearsed show because at least the train wreck was going to be something different or something new. But instead right. I'm watching this ancient, ancient play that is so ubiquitous that we now have a psychological term named right. from it and expected right. to be like, oh, yes. he was changing the gaslights the whole time. Like, what was, <laughs> what was the point? Like, it was just... It was vanity. It was yes, absolutely yeah. vanity. Yeah. Um, and I, I find that, that that is also what kills theater, especially because so many of us have to create our own work. A lot of mm -hmm. people create and produce out of vanity. Sure. Uh, it, the idea that, you know, I must keep working or something, and this is what I like, so I shall do it. There's a lot of, you know, I think, you know, I've, I've been helped many times by people who, and I, when I'm there's, I have trusted people that I show new things to, and they ask the question, like, so why this? Mm -hmm. Why now? Like, what's important about this? Not that the play necessarily has to be like important. Yeah. You know, there's room for entertainment for entertainment's sake. But oh, like, absolutely. Why, why would we do this now? What is, what is this giving us? And these are important questions to ask. And if mm -hmm. it's just because, like, um, I want to play that, that's that's vanity. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 And I, I think about that too with with a lot of the um, the oversaturation of of Shakespeare. In a lot of theater uh, spaces, which is like again, not mm. to not to to shit on Shakespeare, um, and and like to wit, uh, I I was originally slated to be the person to take over for uh, Dauntless, yes, and it was announced, and I I stepped down, and uh, it it is now going to be uh, run by uh, Chanika and and Kate Wernerberg, which is like absolutely perfect and was mm -hmm. the absolute right move to do because I I looked at it and I realized wow I I I can't with everything that's gone on I cannot bring myself to have enough passion about Shakespeare to make it relevant and if 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 I can't do that, then I need to hand it to somebody who who will have that passion. And a hundred percent, Shanika and Kate are the people that mm. have that passion and can do it. Where it's like, I I had to sort of wrestle for my with myself and being like, am I being like a pretentious, ungrateful artist or or something? And it was like, no, you know, at the end of the day, this this gig is hard enough as it is without putting yourself to doing stuff that uh that you you don't have the fire for well that's absolutely like you as trying to put together direct like put together a show mm -hmm. for something that you are not like you're not passionate about mm -hmm. will drag you down and wear you down faster than anything else and ultimately the work won't get done yeah absolutely Absolutely. Which is, it, it's, it's strange because um, I, I love Shakespeare. I do actually, like, I love going to see Shakespeare. I love reading Shakespeare. I love 
speaking the text. Um, my, my issue is, is that I find that that's where the, that's where the, the love stops. It's like, mm-hmm. I like it because, because it feels like it's mine to a degree. Mm-hmm. And, and for that it, it is, you know, like I'm, I'm uh, a native English speaker. Mm-hmm. I'm half white. I was educated in Britain. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, to me, it a hundred percent is bread and butter. And I, I, I like it for the reasons that I like it, but I, I understand why a lot of people don't seem, don't feel represented. And I just, I don't feel strong enough to be like, oh, well, here's why you should feel represented or here's how I could help to make you feel represented. Right. Um, You know, and, and some of that has to do with, you know, culture and some of that has to do with being, being queer and Mm -hmm. and being something that is that is not represented Mm -hmm. in uh these sort of works of antiquity yeah i don't know i think i think i mean this is this is the thing is that is that um part of theater's problem in general is that is that people look at it and think that it is entirely just old white men yeah how is this yeah. relevant to me when theater is just a bunch of plays written by old white men mm-hmm. or ancient white men? Why, like all of that stuff, like why, how is mm-hmm. that relevant to now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. and it also, and, and the thing about it is, is, is where we, we also tend to be the, the worst for it to, to a degree. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't count how many times that, I have gone to a show with 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 people with other theater people, and there was something about the show that was maybe in a different language or in a very in wildly challenging in form. And I watched these these theater people get really sort of like, well, that's not the way you do it, kind yeah. of thing. Um, and it's just kind of like okay, but can you see how that is feeding into the problem? Like you sound like, you sound like everybody's ancient theater professor. That's like, never turn your back on the audience. So you, you know, must be standing at a slant all the time. Like, yes. it's just like, yeah, I have, I have year, years ago. I, you know, I was in a, involved in a production of, 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 of a Midsummer Night's Dream. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when the, when everybody comes out of their spell, they're like, I was not, was not the Duke here. The, the line is yay. And my father. And since we were set in a modern time, we -hmm. decided that, that yay. And my father was not the way we would do it. And it was spelled Y E A. So we just said, yeah. And my father. Mm -hmm. And it was like, just, it seemed natural. And somebody, I remember somebody after it walking up to the actress who said that and saying, did you say, yeah? <laughs> As though it was like the worst thing she could possibly have said. And I was like, well, there's a difference between like, you know, using language that's like, we're, we're speaking, we're trying to say it as though we're modern. So why would we say yay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The established, like, this is how it's done is, par- is another one of our problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I remember uh, 
we did uh, Julius, C I did Julius Caesar with um, Spur of the Moment Shakespeare many years back. Um, and it was set in a woman's prison. And uh, one of the things that, that came out that felt real, we felt really strongly about was instead of saying A2 Brute, mm -hmm. um, Emma Burns, who was, who was playing Caesar, just said you too brutus yeah because it, it's like why would why would this person in a in in prison just be like oh and here's the part where i say latin yes, kind of yes. Thing. and it was just it was so much more grounded in yeah. in what was being done yeah and there's some people <laughs> lost their minds about it they were just like why would you it's the most iconic line why would you da, 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 da. and it's like because if you want to go see the iconic line like go watch Laurence olivier yes like, if you want to see it if you want to see it that way see it that way you know like also if you if you came to our production to see the production that you know you came to the wrong production like absolutely if you want to see it the way it's always been done go watch one of your favorites but you know mm -hmm. if we don't breathe life into shit it's just gonna like continue to fizzle absolutely absolutely i, I think uh there's a lot of people it, it comes it comes from sort of all all levels because there's there's the creation part of it there's um the audience part of it and there's also the way that we we talk about it. And I think that this was part of the conversation before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic hit and everything just came, how do we survive? Yeah. But there does need to be a big conversation about how we review theater mm -hmm. um, and, and who and why and what we're doing that for. Yeah. Uh, because so many times you see somebody the they will review review shakespeare for example um and it's never about the quality of the work because it's like oh well shakespeare's shakespeare so mm -hmm. you know it's it's all about what's being done there at this moment mm -hmm. there is like there is zero charity for for new work it all becomes about oh well it was written like this or, mm -hmm. or this, mm -hmm. that, and the other uh, failing to take in, to take in everything. And it, it becomes like this game of, of the reviewer attacking why, why that piece was being made, mm -hmm. but like no reviewer ever, I shouldn't say no reviewer. Cause there, there's definitely some, but you don't have to worry about that if if you're going to go see cabaret you don't right. have to worry about that if you're going to go see you know hamlet nobody's mm. going to be like well why are you doing cabaret though like yeah. why would you do that show whereas you write a show everybody's like well why would you write that show yeah. explain it to me kind yeah. of thing yeah um i like to to change gears a little bit slightly and i want sure. i want to ask you about um, the decision to, to be coming back to Toronto. Um, mm -hmm. And um, what is it that's, that's, that's driving that for you? And also how, uh, we, let's get to the second part, but let's start with like, what's, what is the, what's driving you to come back right now? Well, there, obviously there, there are a lot of um, 
personal reasons that that have to do with this sort of like bureaucracy of of how the country is dealing with the the crisis mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. um and it turns out i am more likely to get vaccinated in toronto sooner than out here in the boonies right who would have, who would have thought who? um yeah. but um there is that, especially since uh, in order to get the vaccination here, I would have to transfer over everything to Manitoba Health. Right. Um, and once you're transferred over, you're locked in for six months. You can't you can't right. switch it back kind of thing. Um, and so for me, six months is a, a little bit too of, of a commitment um, to Manitoba, not because I don't not because I don't like love the land out here, but um I, I think I have to make it clear that like I'm not living in Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. I live an eight-hour drive north of Winnipeg. Mm-hmm. The closest big city is five hours away, and it's in another province. It's Saskatoon, right? Um, and so, as somebody that has lupus, I have a rheumatologist, mm-hmm. and there are times right. I need to go to different different kind of things, mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's like, okay, well, you have to wait six months for an appointment to see that specialist. And then you have to drive eight hours mm, and mm. find a place to stay and, and do that. So sort of six months uh, being without access to healthcare um, as somebody who is chronically ill, it mm. is, is, is frightening to me. Mm-hmm. And it also goes into that uh, a large portion of that is, is mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, because of course, everybody's been having uh, mental health sort of issues during this time. And so when things got pretty bad for me, like a little while ago, I, I literally, I went to the Manitoba health website mm-hmm. uh, to, and there's like this link and it's like, Oh, you know, for, for, places that are northern and remote kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, absolutely. I go, I click on that. And Phil, I kid you not, I click the link and it takes me to a Viagra ad. Like it's a broken link that just links to a Viagra ad for some Jeez. reason. Jeez. That, that, that's the resource. That's the resource for northern remote communities for Wonderful. mental health. Wonderful. And so it's just a bit like, huh, well that's that's not going to do me at all um (laughs) and then and then and then you combine that with the fact that like being uh not only being an artist but being a queer artist Mm -hmm. in in rural canada uh it's 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 not the greatest um which is it's i don't want to i really think that a lot of people, especially that, that grow up in the cities, they create this sort of like us versus them with like rural communities and sure. and urban communities. And I, I don't want to, to say that because I, I don't think that people live in, in r- rural communities are, um, are inherently, you know, homophobic or, mm. or inherently um, transphobic or anything like that. It's just, there is such it takes so much longer for them to be exposed mm-hmm. to to those kinds of things they don't there and there's not enough population wise to really 
fight for it kind of thing. And so a lot of, a lot of thought patterns go unchallenged um, and have gone unchallenged for, for years, which is not to say that it, it hasn't gotten way better. Like for the past three years in Flin Flon, there, there's been um, a pride week and which is like unthinkable for me when I think about being like a queer teen in Flin Flon, yeah. I'm like, are you kidding? There's a, there's a pride week. <laughs> you do a drag show. There's only two drag queens, but they do a drag show. <laughs> like it, you know, it, it, it is a thing. There is, there's Flin Flon pride merch, which to me makes me so, so proud and, 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 and overcome. Um, and, and that the problem isn't necessarily that, because I know that there are people that, that are here and are, are fighting for, for that. Um, it's just, I, I, I don't have the mental and emotional fortitude to mm. fight that fight mm-hmm. here. It's too, I, I'm, I, I am made to fight that fight somewhere else where I don't feel like I have to apologize mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for who I am or, 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 or educate um, all the time. And so I, I would be lying if a huge, a huge part of the reason why, uh, you know, I'm coming back as well, as well as like being mental health and physical health is, is that I crave community mm. that I find difficult to, to find here. Sure. Sure. Now in the time that you've, 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 you've been in Manitoba and, mm-hmm. you know, being an artist away from the art. Mm-hmm. How has that affected the way that you see yourself or you define yourself? So a lot of us are, are very much like, I am, uh, I'm a performer. I'm an actor. This is how we, when people ask us, if we like describe yourself, this is one of the first things that we say. Mm-hmm. How, what's your relationship been to that while you've been away? Well, it's been, it's been interesting because I think uh, for myself, even before um, COVID, I was slightly making the transition away from saying that I was an actor and, and more saying that, you know, like I'm a performance artist because, because you know, I, I found that I was writing and directing and producing and designing as much as I was performing. Um, and so it was like kind of like I wanted to like shift away from the idea that you know there was a primary one that I that I do but also since performance has not been happening there's I've found that I I have naturally gravitated to creating in in so many different ways like I've I've been doing a lot of visual art. I've been doing a lot of writing. I've been doing mm-hmm. a lot of comedy stuff that doesn't necessarily rely on, on being in, in a room mm-hmm. with somebody, um, which, which has been, which has been fascinating to sort of like learn that about myself that, um, you know, put into, put into a box I would, you know, still find a way to paint myself a door or something, <laughs> um, which is, which is lovely. It, it, mm. it makes me think of, 
it, ma it makes me think of, uh, you know, Picasso famously said something about how he would, he would paint on the dusty floor of a jail cell with his tongue mm. if he had to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, and there is an element of, of that for sure. But they're also, the, the relationship is weird because there's a part of it that feels like, it's like, well, is this just a hobby? Is mm. this just my, is this just my COVID hobby? Like what is, and 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 I think I think if you're if you're an artist in, in any form, you you spend your whole life like fighting against people that that say what you do is a is a hobby, not a yeah. not a craft or a calling. Right. Um, and so there does become that sort of aspect of of that of being like, you know. Jesus like I really mm. did define myself by my job and mm. and that job right now doesn't exist so you know where do we where do we go from here yeah I think that's a that's a problem that that a lot of people in the theater world have been having is mm. putting so much over the years into their identity as, as a director, as an actor, whatever, however many hyphens they have in, mm -hmm. in terms of their, what they do artistically mm -hmm. with theaters closed. Those are not things that a lot of people are. Some people have been able to like, to, to embrace streaming technology and, and stuff like that, but other people mm -hmm. have just not both are mm -hmm. okay, but like, yeah. There's an identity crisis when the thing that you have said, this is who I am, mm -hmm. is gone. And it's a year or more before it's coming back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I, I think, I think kind of, for me, kind of gives me this like revelation of, of the idea that a large portion of, of my displeasure um, in my life or my, or my dissatisfaction is these unrealistic expectations that I've set upon myself by saying, oh, well, I am this, I am an artist, so I must be doing that. Um, and it's a bit like, well, where is, where is that written? You know, like if, 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 you know, you're blind, do you still have a face even though you can't see it? It gets a huge, a huge uh, reduction, but it's like, mm. you don't stop being something just because it's, you can't, it's far away. Yeah. Um, and it also, it doesn't have to be so interwoven with your identity like that. I think we're all constantly craving for that validation of knowing who we are and, and to validate that, but it can't be summed up in in that one thing yeah you know you're not your mind you're not your body you're not your career there's uh, something to me about about um the forced slowing down because a lot of people were like practicing the hustle like always hustling oh, always yeah. doing this never stop never stop always going and then all of a sudden it's like wait let's explore this thing called self-care 
let's explore stillness for a while. Not because you want to, but because you have to. But, but mm-hmm. you know, like at a certain point when theaters open up. Yeah. Will we be more likely as creators and as people who previously just hustled and hustled and hustled, will we be more likely to, to, to say no to things because we've learned that we need some time? Yeah, I, I honestly, I genuinely, I wish that for us because I know just sort of from like osmosis in this sort of time where we've had to be in, in quarantine or, Mm. or whatever, more people I know have come out as trans or non-binary or gender fluid or queer than I could ever expect. And, uh, most of them that I that I've spoken to it's because oh yeah because when I wasn't constantly hustling I had time to sit with myself and be like oh Mm. wait a second Mm. where where is that because the when you are doing that when you are doing you know your two shows and your Joe job and you're going 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 you don't sit with with yourself Mm You don't meet yourself and so you don't necessarily know like what all those what all those things are it's like when you're carrying a heavy bag and your arm gets numb and then you put it down and you're like oh my god yeah that was heavy and so i know for for myself like the amount of healing and and emotional growing i have done in the past Mm. year unprecedented yeah and i know it's because i'm not you know, waking up at four in the morning so I can go to an eight hour Starbucks shift. So I can go to a six hour rehearsal. So I can go home and uh, prep for a self tape or, Mm. or all of these kinds of things. Um, I uh, like, I'm able to be like, Oh wow, wait a second. Like here's some things that I, when I have to sit with myself, I realize like, Oh, I really struggle with this or I really struggle with with that um and and being able to like hone in on that and have the time and space to to breathe into it and be like well i can't i can't run away from it now and i can't bury it under menial tasks i think in some ways it's it's been something of a of a revelation for a lot of people about how unhealthy their lives were as far yeah. as like just you know, going, 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 going. And all of a sudden, like, oh, wait, if I take some time for myself, I can feel good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. As well as like, (laughs) this is something and it's so small, but I haven't had a stuffy nose for over a year. (laughs) I've not had, I've not had a cold. For over a year, I've not been, I haven't had like a viral illness at all, which to me is an absolute revelation because 
I was, I was used to, I was used to like getting sick, like at least four times a year. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, of having like a sniffles, having my throat be kind of like mucked up, you know, whatever it was. And so the fact that it's been like over a year, I'm like, wow, you know, I, I really hate that. I don't know my personal purpose right now with my career, but God damn, does it feel good to breathe through both my nostrils all <laughs> the time? Yeah, this is probably my healthiest year. I haven't had a cold or or anything <laughs> of the flu or, you know, it's been like a year and a few months. And yeah. And it kind of makes me, it makes me a bit paranoid. It makes me like, who wasn't washing their hands before? Like, who, which one who wasn't? Who well, did I, it? <laughs> you know, I think it, 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 the, the sad thing is, is, is that it's probably more than just that. It's also like all the times that we're jammed onto the subway or yep. jammed into an elevator or yep. just like just the general way that we've, you know, just gone out. And also the fact that people are like, oh, I'm sick and I can't afford to take time off. So I guess I'll just take this pill that will suppress the, 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 the symptoms. Yep. I go out during, uh, as though I'm fine. And I'm just like giving this to everyone. Yep. And it's, it's, it's been so interesting to watch how, um, corporate culture and work culture has changed um, mm. with with the sort of like pandemic because everybody, everybody who's worked in any kind of service or retail knows that there have been times where you've been on death's door and you've been like, hey, I'm on death's door. And, you know, you've gotten a text back from Steve saying, well, we ha don't have anybody to cover your shift. And so you're like, uh, uh, okay, yeah. then I guess fuck me, right? I'll just go and, and and do it. And so, like, to see that shift from 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 that to you cannot come in to work if you are sick is like whoa. Now all we, all we really need is for everybody to put their money where their mouth is and have actual paid sick leave. Yeah. Yes. or UBI so yeah. that it doesn't become a situation of, of it being like, Hey, um, I need to be able to be alive, um, and not get everybody sick. Yeah. Can we please? And it's it, especially frustrating because it, it, you know, if you think about it, if, if you don't have a, a sick employee getting, you know, your entire staff sick, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna do better. Like yes. this is going to do better. Yeah. Also, I mean, a lot of people that, that I know, they work in food services, whether they work in a cafe or they work whatever. When the manager says we're short staffed, I know you're sick. You're going to have to come in anyway. And you take a pill or something or you just struggle through the day. Well, you doesn't matter that you're like wearing gloves. You're just sharing that with everybody. Yep. And I can't believe that that's something that we've considered to be a normal thing. Yeah. It, it, like, and that's the thing is it, it, it's like, so it's like so normalized. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I, like, I hope it, it is kind of like a lasting change to, to have it not, not be because when it comes to, like as somebody with with compromised immunity, if somebody came into work and they were sick or a customer came in very clearly with like a cold or whatever, I was like, okay, here we go. Like, yeah, great. I guess I'm going to have a cold. 
Like, I yeah. guess that's going to be a thing. And it, it definitely extends to theater because I don't know, I don't know like what your experience in, in uh, like, I don't know what other people's experiences in, in school were, but for my theater training, it, you know, if you, if you were sick for, for longer than a day, who boy, you were in trouble. Like you were going to get put on, you know, yeah. academic probation or yeah. kicked out of the program. Like it was. 100%. I can remember being sick for one day and getting a call from the school saying, if you're not here tomorrow, you're out of the program. Yeah. Oh, meanwhile, totally. I am literally like, like hunched over a toilet when I'm getting that message. Like I am Absolutely. vomiting so hard, but they're like, no, you have to come in. Mm -hmm. and that's ridiculous. And it is absolutely ridiculous. And, and I think a lot of that, I mean, I, something we're all discovering now collectively as a, as a community is, is that um, theater programs for the large part have been um, institutionalized abuse mm -hmm. kind of thing because, yeah. because it's like, oh, well, the, the uh, industry is demanding. So we have to um, separate the weak from the strong kind of thing. But at the end of the day, it just makes, makes the community inherently inaccessible and inherently ableist. Well, absolutely. It's also like the idea that, oh, the, uh, the, the industry is hard. So we have to treat you like garbage to get you ready for it. it maybe what we have to do is like be teaching students that, um, no, it is okay to stand up for yourself. And sometimes you have, to, you have to advocate for yourself instead Absolutely. of, instead of, you know, emotionally hobbling them so that they are in like predisposed to abuse in the rehearsal hall or, mm -hmm. or in other situations until finally after 10, 20 years, now they're ready to stand up and stand and, and, and advocate for themselves after so many years of being treated horribly when mm -hmm. we should be, we should be teaching them that right out of the gate, you can advocate for yourself. And in some cases you have to. Exactly. Exactly. Cause you know, when it comes, when it comes down to it, um, there's, there's so many times, there's so many times where somebody will look back on, on something that made them intensely uncomfortable or intensely unsafe, or maybe even physically hurt them. And it's because we've been so beat down with this, culture that if you do not say yes, if you do not obey, you will be considered difficult to work with and you won't work anymore. Yeah, that's, I, that's I, a hugely problematic thing because I know people who, I remember talking to people and they would be like talking, ready to talk about the Fringe Festival, right? And they I could see them stop because they're not going to like glow about this, the, the Fringe Festival and the way that it's organized or whatever. And, mm. and so they don't say it. Mm -hmm. because they're afraid that somehow the fringe, which is unjuried, you know, mm -hmm. will blackball them somehow. Um, mm -hmm. And in the end, what that ends up doing is just like reinforcing the fact in their mind that some things are unassailable. Yeah. Say anything bad about this institution because, uh, you know, so we need to like, honestly, the only reason why, and I, I fully believe this, that if I want to say, if I want to complain about something, let's say, let's continue on like the Fringe Festival for some, you know, just to mm -hmm. keep things consistent. If I want to complain, it's not because I hate the Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. It's because I love the Fringe Festival and I want it to be better. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, if we didn't love these institutions, we'd just go, 
fuck it and walk away. Mm-hmm. 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 We absolutely would. And it's, it, you know, it all feeds into the same sort of, same sort of culture where, you know, we're having to contend with the fact that there have been um, open abusers in our community um, going unchecked for years and years and years mm-hmm. because, because there is such a culture of it's like, well, you know, if you, if you assert your boundaries, if you stand up, if you say the wrong thing, well, then nobody's going to hire you. Yeah. Um, Don't rock the boat. Don't rock the boat. That's, that's such a, it's an early lesson that a lot of us are taught in theater school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you end up, and especially, especially since what we do is so emotional, you know, it's just like, you're just asking for, for trouble because it's like, you have all of these, you know, (laughs) pretty like traumatized people Mm -hmm. being like, please pick me, please pick me, please pick me. And then they get picked and they have no agency and they have, uh, no ability to, um, encounter, uh, accountability or, or, or have that kind of um, structure imposed mm-hmm. upon it um, until they reach a certain level of a career. And then for a lot of people, they get to that certain level in their career where they've, you know, they've taken their lumps and they've, uh, they've quote unquote paid their dues kind of thing. And there's no impetus to change the system because mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, I dealt with it and I'm fine. Like yeah. I got yeah. through it. That's, that's the, 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 such a, one of the most damaging things. Well, I, you know what I got through, that's how I was trained. So this is how I'm going to train. Like they abused me through theater school and I'm fine. So this is how Mm -hmm. we're going to, this is how I'm going to teach people rather than like, maybe the fact that I went through theater school, miserable and afraid all the time, that maybe that's not conducive to, um, uh, creativity. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also it, like I it's I understand to a small degree the need for um, discipline, especially when you get these like bouncing little you know eighteen year olds. Theater majors have a have a vibe and a reputation for a reason. In large large reason is that. Uh, theater people, we are obnoxious uh, and we get paid to be obnoxious and that's great. That's fine. Um, So there is an element of like, I get why you, why it has to be like, okay, no, calm down, bouncing baby. We don't need to hear your rendition of every song of Les Mis. We need you to buckle down. But there's a way to do that that isn't emotionally traumatizing. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, just as we sort of like uh, start to like draw to a close here, um, mm-hmm. one of the questions that I have been asking uh, throughout the pandemic is a question about joy. Um, mm-hmm. We all need our moments of joy. And I think that that we've all had our ups and downs. And I like to, to, to have all of my guests like just tell me like what's been giving you joy lately so we can share that with everyone else. So Joey, what's been giving you joy lately? Oh, geez. Uh, you know, I've, I've had uh, a lot of people um, sort of reach out and, and uh, 
I, my very good friend Holly actually made a GoFundMe, which again, thank you, Phil, um, to like to get me back to Toronto, which is like overwhelming. Mm-hmm. For realizing how how many people I I have in my in my corner, um, but beyond that, it's just been kind of like realizing how much we all love each other and how instantaneous and evident that became when we couldn't, you know, immediately hold each other and, Mm. and, and tell each other that everything was going to be okay. Mm. Um, The fact that we still all love each other so much Mm -hmm. and miss each other just brings me so much Mm. joy because there's like a lot of bad shit has happened in Mm -hmm. a very short amount of time and our instinct is still to to hold each other yeah Mm. um and be with each other and 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 that i think brings me a lot of joy and love Mm. thank you so much and then thank you for this conversation this has been absolutely as always wonderful yeah thank you for having me absolutely i love it 